Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Jonathan is not with us tonight, so this is Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of being sent out to solve somebody else's problem and bring back treasure. Okay, and this is different from any other day in gaming house. The topic for tonight is fetch quests are not distractions. And when we say they're not distractions, we're saying they're not distractions away from the main storyline. Uh, they are they are there for a purpose, and they you know we're going to talk about what that purpose is and why you shouldn't hate them. We should talk about what kind of games do you find fetch quests in? Hmm. Well, I, fantasy, obviously that that's going to be the big one. That that's the go-to. For... Well, any role-playing game, actually. Yeah, but but. Fantasy, I notice, is the one that gets the most love for that because, oh, we need to go to this, this, um, go check out this canyon or check out this forest or, yeah, just, you'll still get something out of it, even if it's only information for your character. Right. Well, there's, there's good reasons to do that, but essentially it's you being either personally, you know, self-generating a fetch quest to go and get something or someone tells you to go get something uh, and bring it back. And maybe that's all you're supposed to you, know, you bring it back and keep it or you bring it back and give it to somebody else. Uh, in, um, in the game No Man's Sky, they, they send you out to get certain things like um, a, a packet of seeds and you go to a location that is it's got these archival vaults and you go inside and you open them up and you find this package of seeds from a thousand years ago and then but then it says okay go over to this um trade center and then you go to the trade center and it says all right you know go and upload uh, a digitized version of this. In other words, a scanned, uh, analyzed version of these trade seeds, which you do. And then it gives you credit for it. You get whatever reward they were planning on giving you. And you get to keep the seeds. And you can turn around and sell them or do something else with them. Okay? So, you know, that's, you know, uh, and lots of times if you want to make something or, you know, or, you know, you have to find items you know, certain items, okay, in order to make them. And so these quests, that's how they can be self-generated, where you, if I want this, then I'm going to have to go get them. Okay, got it. Um, in, in my in my Sunday game, I used the setting Amethyst by Diaz's Machina. Chris Diaz wrote it. And the way, in the setting, it's particular, um, any magic user, that any magic item over a thousand gold pieces, they suggest, oh, because we need... You're going to need, in order to make this magic item, they, they have similar item, similar materials, like how they have the special materials and like adamantine, cold iron. They have different ones. And so they tell you, yeah, if you're going to make 
higher level magic items that cost more than a thousand gold pieces send your players on a quest to get these materials to help make this magic item you need so okay got it yes that's got the context okay now in in the terminology that i'm using you know and and it came up in our pre uh podcast discussion okay what you know there's two things that are not fetch quests okay and um and and what was the first one what drives the main quest line yeah in other words it's not a fetch quest if it's driving the main quest if it is intrinsic to this particular story arc yes. right yeah if you you know if you're going to go and fight some elder demon and you need this scroll of dismissal okay that's not a fetch quest i mean you know by by that is a side quest it's really part of the main quest line you see uh, and but a fetch quest is usually something more. I don't want to use the word trivial, but not, you know, not, it, it's usually not time sensitive. It's not usually um, necessary. Okay, but it might actually you might benefit from it. Okay, so and fetch and, and you and in like a lot of games, role playing games, you walk into towns and you go talking to people and they say, "Oh yeah," he says, "I lost my favorite scrimshaw," and it's you know it's, it's worth a lot of money. If you go to you know the Ironwood Forest, you know uh, at the picnic area there, I think I might have dropped it there. And so you go there to, you know, you agree to go on that quest. You go over there and you find the scrimshaw piece uh, and bring it back. In which case, the person either gives you something else or uh, you or you can just keep it. A lot of games, you can go on quests and not actually complete them. You keep the item that you <laughs> that they sent you off to get. Well, it's along the lines of, well, this city is probably going to lose it again. At least I'm not going to drop it. I'm taking it with me. Yeah. Or it's it, it's really a valuable item, and you don't want to give it back. So, uh, you know, I lost my plus three Avenger. I will go find that. Yeah. <laughs> so notice he just said, folks, that he would give it back. He just said he would go find it. So yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. The other thing, you know, that it isn't, okay, a fetch quest isn't, is randomly searching homes and locations for items. I mean, if you're like me, who's basically a, uh, a digital walking hoover, uh, you know, <laughs> walking vacuum cleaner, who picks up everything that's around, and this is terrible in the Fallout games because literally there's so much junk. It's literally called junk. You know, all over the place. And yes, it may have value. I mean, you might be able to do stuff with it. But the fact is, is that most of the time when you go and you pick up things, they're not important. Unless, of course, they trigger a quest line. You read something and that that gives you a, a, a fetch quest or a side quest to go on. But, you know, I'm just saying this is that if you go randomly walking through locations, just picking up stuff, for no reason other than it just happens to be there and you got space on your inventory, it's not a fetch quest. You had no intention of doing of, of going after this piece of junk. Okay. Uh, you know, other than you, you need X amount of junk in order to, you know, get X amount of, of iron or X amount of whatever, or you know they're each worth you know, uh, one copper piece, and if you add it all up together, it actually might be worth enough for you to buy a 
you know, a, a, a potion of strength. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, the, but they're, it's not a fetch quest because... Yeah, the, these are, yeah, and, and of course, folks, we have another, yet another patented Bruce Shepard outline. And number two for the, searching randomly in homes and locations for items. I'm looking at this and go, where I come from, that's either looting or burglary. Just, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. It's both, <laughs> depending upon whether somebody actually lives there. Right, yeah, you know, or, or what, it, oh God, what do they call it? The people getting the copper from the houses, scrapping. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that's another sure. one. Yeah. Well, you know, like, you know, one of the uh, older games, uh, Icewind Dale. Okay. Oh, yeah. You, I've heard of it. Yeah. You leave, you know, when, once you basically go and, and sign on to the caravan and you leave, anything that's in uh, in the town you start with, you never see again until the literally the very last scene of the game where you come back. Okay. <laughs> so it's like it behooves you to try to get as many items that are around because you know they have because you're not going to be able to come back and they're all worth some of the things are worth experience some of them are worth money you know you can use it to buy better equipment stuff like that but you see that's it's what you say that's scrapping scrounging whatever term you want to be it's not a fetch quest unless it unless by doing so it triggers a fetch quest to go and get something like i say that scrimshaw was a uh uh, was an item uh, where basically this this guy had lost his scrimshaw, which by the way is a a, a piece of like walrus tusk, okay, it, or it's from a whale, or it's basically a a, a piece a bony piece of fish, uh, and it uh, and 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 fishermen or or sailors used to inscribe drawings and words and poems and things like that decorate them up you know really nicely and then sell it as a piece of art or just use it as a memento so somebody might really want to keep get that back if they'd lost it well you know in the in that particular thing i believe that it's it's being held by a mer creature who uh, had fallen in love with the sailor, and uh, but did, was afraid to come up on land because a she's a mer creature doesn't breathe too well out of water, and b uh, she's afraid that somebody's going to try to attack her because you know, and your job once you go down there is that she says well you know here uh, you know take this take take it back. You know, uh, and go, I'll give it to you if you'll go get him to come back to me, so we can have a discussion, and I can confess my love to him. You know, and so you, you, you first you had a you had a fetch quest to go get the scrimshaw. Now you have a fetch quest to go get him <laughs> and bring him back. All together, you basically a find out there's mer people in this game. You know, uh, b you get experience for completing the quest. Uh, see, um, th there is a monetary treasure, you know, involved. Okay, you know, so uh, and theoretically, you know, if it's a, if it was a good game, you know, or a role playing situation, you might gain um, uh, favor with the mer people by helping them out. So later on, if you raid in some mer people, and you could say, "Hey, I'm so and so, and I helped out," you know, Aqua, you know, the mer the mer uh, uh, woman, and they go, "Oh, Aqua, she's my second cousin, you know, uh, third removed." You know, I'll tell her that I ran into you, 
thank you very much, but could you like maybe swim me over to the other side of the river because it's deep and it's moving and I'm not too great of a swimmer? Oh, sure. Any friend of Aqua, you know, I'm willing to do a favor for. So, you know, this is why you have fetch quests. Fetch quests serve to advance the, st the story, but not necessarily the main storyline. It might. The grand, the grand story of the world you're in. Yeah. yeah. At the time, it doesn't seem like it's actually doing it. And of course, you know, if it's if it's the only way of getting across the river, then no, it wasn't a fetch quest. It was the main store quest line. Okay. But if there were other ways of getting across, like maybe you had to travel 20, 30 miles to find a bridge or a ferry, well, okay, then this was a, a benefit. But if there, you have to have other ways of doing it for it not to be part of the main storyline. So, anyways, so let's let's uh, so we kind of talked about this a little bit. Let's try to codify this a bit more. What are the purposes of fetch quest, Travis? Uh, gaining information about the game world, the game setting, geography, climate, life forms, political boundaries, shortcuts, and so yeah, you you like you said. You meant, oh, there's mer people in this world. Oh, they live in this river. Okay, and we know that this river travels along here. And you pick up little facts that help. I wouldn't say so much give you agency in the world, but it just embeds in you a stronger sense of what this game setting has to offer. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's good to know, you know, that... You know, some places are, you know, is it always cold? Are, are you at the top of a mountain where it's like sub-zero, but the, the lowlands actually, it's like temperate? That's good to know because you may not, you know, otherwise you're walking around in heavy furs and possibly suffering from uh, heat damage. You know, uh, you, you know, it's you, as you go along, you're going to learn about different life forms. As you say, mer people, uh, maybe there's going to be monsters that you run into. You know, but it's it's there to increase. And then I mentioned just now a shortcut where because you did that quest, even though it was isolated in and of itself, when you ran into another mer person, it actually was a basis for them doing you a favor. It's uh, if you hadn't had that person had that relationship, you might have had you know to do a tough speech check or. You know, you might have that might have triggered another fetch quest to go get something the mer person wanted, you know, in order for them to do you that favor. You know, it's 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 better in a role playing situation because you know it's a there's a lot more options. But in a lot of games, you'll see like dialogue trees, and by doing certain things, certain dialogue options come up that otherwise wouldn't have come up because of these earlier um, you know quests that you went on. So these dialogue trees are kind of like, and I'm kind of going back here, and Bruce and I would know about these. It kind of, the dialogue tree is sort of the digital version of a choose-your-own-adventure book, those old D&D books that had like, oh, if you say, I want to go here, turn to page 33. If you say, no, I want to go here, turn to page 67, and then you read the page based on your decision. Got it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and some of them really are trees where literally you 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 basically you know in, in a video game where you click on something and it opens up a whole another set of of dialogue options or it's just a list you know in in the situation you're in you just get the list 
and and when you're playing with players a lot of times you know the the gm may have certain responses he'll prompt you with you know if they if you, you know, just the most obvious ones that the players are really clueless you know and, and we've all run into clueless players that are like you know what can i do here and like well, you could do this, you could do this, 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 this. Those are all could be dialogue options. Those are action options. But in the case of where you're talking to somebody, you might say, well, you know, talk about this. Uh, hey, you know, you're really, you're really attractive to me, you know. <laughs> and then having, set, you know, having, if you succeed at that, then now you have a relationship They might be more willing to, uh, you know, you know, do things for you uh, that are related to the story. You know, so uh, it's assumed that they you're already doing things <laughs> in order to establish the relationship. Uh, anyways, okay, so yeah, there's a whole but you know. So the main thing, like I said, was gaining information about the game world, um, and because if you're otherwise, you're just wandering around, bumping into uh, NPCs and stuff. You know, and maybe monsters attack you. One of the big problems in you know computer games is that a lot of times the only thing you the only places you can keep stuff without it disappearing is on your person. So finding out a place where you can you know stash or a, a house or you know even just a location where you can put stuff is really important to learn. You know so you can do more. And in Fallout uh, Three. Um, you go talk to the sheriff. The sheriff says, oh, um, hey, these people down here in the center of town have a giant nuclear bomb that they are worshiping. If you could go down there and like maybe make sure that bomb can't explode, I'd be ever so grateful. And I'm, and I'm imagining all that, if you've seen Office Space, the lumber. Yeah, if you could just deactivate that bomb. Yeah, that yeah there's great. a lot of that. Yeah. In this case, it's, it's a quest. It's not a fetch quest because you're actually, he's asking you to do something. But once you completed that, you come back. He says, well, you're just the kind of person we like to have around here. So I'll tell you what. We have this empty house over here. And if you can pony up 100 credits, then, you know, I'll... You can have it. It'll be yours. And then, of course, once you get inside... You, you can... are deeded land yes. for services rendered. Yes. Or for just being a useful... Uh, a, a, a contributing a citizen of the town. Yeah. Right. Now, this is completely different. Well, not really, but it's completely different than like the, the original Diablo game, where there, were, there, there was no stashes. Literally, if you... If you decided you'd want to carry something, you dropped it on the ground. And it's gone forever. Yep. No, it stayed. Oh, really? Oh. By the end of the game, you had this... The, 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 the center of town is just covered with weapons and, you know, and other stuff. Now, it doesn't have to be. You could take all those things and sell them, okay? But, you know, me, right? I, maybe I need this later. Maybe I need the special attribute that's on this weapon. So... I'll just keep it and just drop it. And then, you know, there are TV shows about people with things like that. Dude, I know, I know. Your, I mean, I'm, I've been your friend for 20 years. I'm here to help you, buddy. I can yeah. tell you that as an individual, <laughs> I am not a hoarder. But as a player, as a, I am the worst. I am the absolute worst. I will keep the most useless stuff. I mean, you know, I, I literally, you know, will, uh, I don't know. It, it, 
I might need this later. Yeah, yeah we, we all know these. Playing things. Fallout uh, Three, okay. One of the <laughs> one of the items that you can have is a bandana. You can sell it for like one, uh, let's say one cent, okay. Or you can keep them. They 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 serve no purpose. I mean, they don't have any benefit to them whatsoever. You know, and you when when you you, you kill people and you you scavenge their bodies, a lot of times there's a bandana. So you just take the bandana. You can put it on your character. Theoretically, you could change the way your character looks. But I'm just saying is is that you know most of the time you end up with like twenty or thirty of these things, and you're like, why am I still carrying this? Because <laughs> because either a they have no weight in the system or be, yeah. you know, so anyways, there would be a big pile of bandanas, you know, in the middle of Diablo and, you know, over there next to one of the houses because that's where I put stuff. So anyways, but in a lot of, in a lot of games, fetch one of the most important fetch quests, you know, is because, you know, is about getting a place to stay and doing what you need to do in order to do that. And, to, and like George, and George Carlin says to keep your keep stuff. Keep your stuff. Yeah. Uh, that whole- yeah. That whole bit right. and going to Hawaii, that whole bit just played my Be- Because, because um. in in Fallout, <laughs> you know, in, in Fallout 76, okay, yes, you do you are given a stash, but it's not very big. So therefore, most of the stuff you carry, you carry on your person. You don't have to have the stash. You could go the entire game without ever carry without having a house or anything else, you know, you could just do it, you know. I mean, it is it isn't necessary? And again, that's one of the reasons for the fetch quest. They're not part of the main quest line. Okay, so it's not necessary. If you need if if you need a house in order to sleep, uh, and by sleep I mean heal and or, or get you know, get untired, then it's it's essential and it's not good. You know, but like I said, they may. So I, that's what I'm saying. I don't consider them to be fetch quests. All right, so. It's really important to basically learn some about everything. I've walked all, I've gone all kinds of crazy places in role-playing games for no other reason than, oh, that looks interesting, you know, and 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 that's okay, you know. But if I'm just wandering around, I'm not on a quest, obviously, okay, a quest to gain knowledge, no. Okay, but if I can find a reason to go someplace, you know, then then it's basically serves two purposes. I, I I gain something from it because of the quest, okay, and B, I learn about the, the area. And sometimes it can make a big difference. Like I said, I you uh, could go in a cave and go through the cave and suddenly find yourself on the other side of the map, you know, some distance away. And you, you basically, instead of going over the 40,000-foot-tall mountain, you instead went under the mountain. It took you a tenth of the amount of time, and now you're on the other side, and nobody, you know, knew you were, you know, uh, uh, knows about that. And suddenly, you can set up this amazing, you know, uh, triangle trade thing because you can deliver like, you know, ten times faster than everybody else because you know this secret passageway. So yeah, sure. One of the big benefits of fetch quests, of course, are acquiring experience and becoming stronger or better at using the system, whatever system it is you're using in your your game, your role-playing game. Okay, so the number one thing on the list I put was experience. You know, most games have an advancement system, and so therefore, just by doing things and, and by going and, and doing these fetch quests, you know, you gain experience. 
usually they're also designed to be appropriate to your level. So therefore you don't go get yourself killed. <laughs> so Oh, I'm ha oh, I'm having shades of uh EverQuest and WoW from like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Another thing that by going on these quests, you can gain feats, you know, special abilities because of what you did. Um, you know, if you you know, you pick, you know, if you pick enough locks, uh, you're going to get, you know, you're, you may get a special, you know, skill in picking those kinds of locks. Um, or you, I, I had, you know, in one game, I, I was supposed to find an item in a graveyard. So I'm going through the graveyard and digging up every grave. Okay. And until I found it, which I did. All right. All of a sudden, I now, you know, the, you know, the GM looks at me and says, "Oh, by the way, uh, you, you, you did, you failed your stealth check. People saw you doing that. You now have a reputation as being a grave robber." Grave robber. Yep. yep. <laughs> and that can follow you a lot, you know. And can can it keep? Should it keep you from becoming, you know, from finishing the main quest line? No. If it does, then you know, it, it's not a good thing. Um, but it's uh, it may flavor you know, all your interactions from that time forward. Yeah, yeah. In D20 Modern, you would have a a, bat, a negative reputation, which will affect your skills and whatnot. Yeah, you get a minus four to diplomacy. Yeah, you're the grave robber from the Village 3 Right. Oh, in, in the Fallout game, they had a uh, karma system where, ah. um, you know, and if, you're, if your karma gets low enough, then you get new dialogue options where people who are bad people actually say, one of us, one of us. <laughs> and they, uh, they might actually, you know, uh, help you out when other people might not. Hey, we like... You get you get that thieves go going, yeah, I heard what you did over there in them graves. Oh, for Pete's sake, I was trying to... Yeah, the paladin has a hard time, <laughs> you know, interacting with the thieves guild because he's got this really high karma. But the low end, you know, go the other direction and... Uh, and, and so doing something, for example, like, you know, digging a you know, uh, robbing a grave, it's probably going to be that, you know, breaking into someone's house and, and might cause you to lose karma. Uh, killing somebody who's an NPC living in a house, cause you to lose karma. Okay. Uh, but then you gain all these. You gain all these friends in low places as the Garth Brooks. Song right. Goes. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they have their own. Um, what's the term I'm looking for? You have your own perks from gaining people from the wrong side of the tracks, as it were. It may not always help you, but it will help you in a surprising right. way. You you go yeah. to certain merchants in certain parts of town. Suddenly, you have items being offered to you that wouldn't be offered to you if you had a high karma. So these these fetch quests, you know, can actually help you in that regard. If that's a direction you <laughs> want to go, you don't have to go on yeah. every fetch quest. If someone says, "Hey, I want you to go and and bring me back the uh, you know the family jewels from you know the uh, old widow Cranston," and you do it and you get negative karma, well, yeah, then then people are going to be you know low places. People are going to be paying attention to you. Uh, people in high places don't may no longer want to do anything with you. So some yeah. it may cause some fetch quests uh, to to go away. You know, uh, I've been in, uh, 
sometimes you will lose when, when one door closes. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can lose a hirelings and henchmen because they think you're you know either too good or too scummy. No, what what's the old thing? I've done this, I've done this, but I rob one grave. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm always yeah, I'm always I, I don't see gave water to the to you know to the drought you know to the thirsty, okay. I don't see, you know, uh supporter of widows and orphans. No, but you rob one grave. <laughs> Yeah. There you are, Mark right? Man. So, yeah. Mark man. And, and that's good. Those those <laughs> are good things, you know, because it it means that yeah, in in a in a computer game, it means that you can have multiple playthroughs and have different results. But in our yeah. in, in a tabletop role play game, it you know it means that your choices are important. They actually affect your character, and the, and you add in quote marks at, uh, up above the name on the character sheet. AKA the gray robber. right yeah. right yeah well that that kind of also leads into the third point here gain reputation in the world and kind of yeah you it it will it, it like you just said it will flavor the character from this day forward now also i mean that it and you said it could help because well, wait a minute, if he robs graves, man, we need to get into this tomb over here that we found. Yeah, you don't mind get literally and figuratively getting your hands dirty. Bring your shovel and come on over here. We got a place for you to check out yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really do not understand why Gandalf thought that Bilbo Baggins was was a gonna be a good burglar to, to when they went and try and, and tried to get back the uh the Lonely Mountains from Smog. I mean, well, I, I I think it's along the lines that we can cross fandoms here with um the words of Mister Yandu Udanta, played by Michael Rooker. He was small, good for thieving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that that's, and that's exactly that's right. You know, he yeah. he yeah. he did mention later on that you know they're they're uh, that if when they stand still, they can be totally uh, unnoticed. So, you know, they're yeah, hobbits tend to, yeah, people overlook them. They're kind of like in the real world how we have janitors and home and, you know, homeless people. We tend to ignore them. And in hobbits and that halflings, yeah. I mean, they and not a high joke here. They look over them figuratively and literally and just they can go and do stuff that most people don't notice. And all of a sudden you see, you know, a halfling running away with something because y'all were too busy overlooking yeah, it. yeah right of course i always thought it was funny because the dwarves were making height jokes about the hobbits when you know we all know that everybody makes height jokes about the dwarves so it's like <laughs> excrement rolls downhill old friend yeah it's when you find a new someone to pick on it's like oh oh this is how these humans feel when they you know crack jokes at me being four feet tall because this guy here is three and a half feet tall yeah, don't let that six inches build your ego, pal. Just yeah. You know. I always wonder about you know five foot tall women who want guys that are over six foot tall. It's like you know, okay, granted your children your children are going to be taller than you, but does the guy not ever say, you know, I married this woman, I'm I'm going to be producing these short offspring. You know, I mean, it doesn't seem to matter if you're a woman whether you're short. Or, or yeah, but if it's a as of a male child, it's, it's kind of a 
I always saw this as not being a good way of doing things, you know, that if you were at six foot tall, you should be marrying somebody who's at least as tall as you are because that's the kind of children you want. How many six foot tall women do you... Actually, quite a few. It's it's an ego thing. It's, uh, yes, I get to be the man and taller than this woman and bigger and protector. And yeah, it's it's an ego. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, but no, or was it the woman that gets a guy, or as I would call them, the two-day climb? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I was with a woman who was oh god oh six one yeah, and I said oh you're a two-day climb. She looks at me, looks down to me, which usually most people do, but she had to because I'm only five seven. But yeah, I called her a two-day climb, and after she thought about it, she laughed her butt off. Just, right. Yeah. But no, it it's with the the height and um. Bilbo Baggins sneaking around and stuff. Yeah, it was just because, I mean, obviously, we all know what Gandalf was and everything, and it was to try to, because it, it found out, and yeah, no spoiler here, the book's been out for like 100 years, folks. Um, Gandalf was a minor god, and he was trying to poke people to do certain things to help move events along, and just posed as a wizard. And so getting this... In, quote unquote insignificant person to change major events of the world and oh there was a line about um and they've put it in a meme now and they have the picture of Sir Ian as Gandalf about it's not evil that runs the world it's small uh acts of good work or something something to that effect and he was trying to do that and he picked we're gonna pick the the smallest most inoffensive looking person because Basically, nobody will see it coming. Right. And, you know, yeah. arguably, uh, you know, uh, Frodo was the only person who could have taken the ring to Mount Doom because everybody else would have fallen victim to it. Yep. So, small packages, great value. Okay, yep. so, yep. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, gaining reputation in the world is something that's, you know, a lot of these things are byproducts of the fetch quests, but they serve the purpose of you benefiting from it. So you're doing something might be relatively mundane, but you know, it, it allows the the GM to uh to 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 give you these opportunities to develop your character, your understanding of the world, uh and and other things that we're gonna be talking about. One well it, it's kinda it's kinda like a comedian that does a joke Often at the end of a set, and you, we've all seen it in the comedy specials on, you know, HBO, Netflix, whatever. You have that one comedian who do his final joke before he says, good night, everybody. And it harkens back to a joke a half hour ago. It's the same thing where, yeah, yeah those insignificant, you know, I'll be, let's say I'm running a game with, you know, Carrie and Fur and Gene and all them on Friday game. And I do some insignificant side quest, you know, just something. Yeah, I did it for S&G. And all of a sudden, you know, three months later, I pull some facet of that side quest out, and now it's a major thing. And they're like, oh, I see what you did there, and yeah, okay. And, of course, they're like, you know, I, I played up. Well, you know, I meant to plan it that way. And they're like, whatever, you know. But, yeah, doing these side quests in a computer game, I'm not sure exactly how it would work. But in a role-playing game, you could come up with an adventure down the line. It's like okay, I need a new, like, mini arc. Oh, wait a minute, let's touch on that one side quest I did three months ago when the one player wasn't there and I had to come up with this adventure. And, yeah, it can help 
the game master build the game world. It just doesn't build it up for the players. It can give the game master future ideas down the line. So, yeah, I can I could see that the side quests do help everyone, even unintentionally to help the game master. Because let's say he needs a new side, another side adventure. Well, you can plan it off the side quest you ran, you know, three, four months ago, just because so-and-so couldn't make it that week and you need to do something to keep the game moving. So, yeah. Um, acquire allies and enemies. Well, yeah, if you're Robin Graves, you're te- you're going to, you're going to cheese off some people. Yeah. But especially the people whose graves you're robbing their families. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or, or if it's a magic world, you know, the people in the graves, you know, all it takes is one good necromancer. Um, but allies again, the whole, yeah, you're Robin Graves, but now you have the attention of the thieves guild. And there are times when. We here at Gaming in the Frontier podcast do not condone criminal activity, but it is occasionally good to know someone who may have. Now, I mean, you could deal with guilt by association, but it also means you know somebody who has <clears throat> a particular set of skills. You know, that type of thing. You know, the apology to any Liam Neeson fans for me totally ruining that impression. But yeah, you could sit there and have, because of these side quests, you gain all sorts of different people. What? Mate's looking at me. Cool. Cool. Um, but yeah, you you gain these people who, again, it could build into further adventures down the line. Well, it, it also increases your resources, you know. Well, because you have new people to say, hey, wait a minute, you, you do this, right? I was wondering if you could get me this, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't had one. And they could also be meat shields and things like that, <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I, uh, that's uh, that kind of then, well, then, see, you gain more of the reputation. Yeah, you're the guy that sent the Thieves Guild. We don't have a Thieves Guild in this city now because you sent them all to fight this creature. What? The need to be fought. We don't have a Thieves Guild now. Nature abhors a vacuum. Okay. Uh, as an example, though, you go walking along, you know, and you see this guy, and he's on the side of the road, and he's got, like, a dead horse. You know, and you know, flies flying around, and, and the guy, and and you, and, and he, you, uh, or, or it's not dead, it's dying. Okay, and you come over, you look at it, and he says, "Can you help me, sir?" And you look at it, and says, "Nope, sorry, uh, I don't know anything about healing animals." Oh, you know, I was, I was, it's, it's, you know, really dangerous out in this area. I was hoping to get to a town by nightfall, but say, you know, are you heading toward, you know, um. Uh, uh, you know, ox hammer, and he's like, "Well, yeah, actually, that's on my way." He says, "Well, let's travel together then, because you know that you know that way it's you know uh, troubles shared or troubles halved. Uh, and if we do have to camp out here in the woods, then you you can sleep and while I watch, and vice versa. And all of a sudden, you have uh, a companion. And if you know after you get." Uh, uh, wedded in a couple of uh, battles along the way, uh, then you may say, hey, you know, this worked out really well. Let's keep this thing going. Now you have this permanent resource. And the reason I mention is because that in, you know, in a, in a role-playing situation, whether it be tabletop or computer or whatever, usually there's more than one of these types of people that you'll run into. So either you can amass a large number of disparate skill people with disparate skills 
Or you can just simply figure out which person you want. And sometimes you can drop them off in places and say, if I need somebody who can, you know, fix a wagon, I know where to find you. And come back and, and get that person to be to you know become your companion again and go off and, and do whatever you need to do. Because a lot of games also allow uh, companions to make what's called uh, help checks. And it gives you bonuses toward you actually being able to do the thing that you want to do. Ah, aid another, yeah, yes. That's you know, what, one of the terms for it. Uh, yeah. Gaining these allies, you know, even if they may, they may not be permanent, they may be temporary, uh, but if nothing else, they say they, they could be very helpful to you uh, uh, because, you know, conserve, you know, helps you conserve resources when, when you get into the battle, you only take half as much damage, they take the other half. You know, if you each heal damage at the same rate, then, you know, it's a lot better situation. For everybody, you know, and now, yes, you probably then will have to, you won't be able to gain as much treasure or whatever because they're going to expect a piece of the action, you know, depending upon, you know, whether they're doing this as a classic hireling henchman or whether they're, they're with you because it's a favor. They've been assigned by the Duke or whatever, and so they, they get paid by the state. In which case you get to keep all your stuff, and they just—they're just a truly helpful, un—you know—thing uh, that has no no downside, which I think is terrible. You should always, you know, if somebody's with you, they should always gain certain benefits. Uh, if if nothing else, just like, you know, you you can't wear full plate, but they can, and they're in scale mail. Well, then when you run into some full plate, you should put it on them, yeah, because. <laughs> You can't use it, and yes, you can. And if you get to town, all right, maybe you you can take make them take it off, which I think is a should be a real karma losing kind of situation, uh, and then sell it for the gold, and then either split the gold or do the you know the seventy thirty or whatever your your gold split is. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen along those lines, but by having that person along, it, it vastly increases your uh, available, basically your available hit points, your uh, ability to, to do damage, uh, the, the skills, therefore the different tasks you're allowed to do. If one person is a, you know, a, a, a mechanic and the other person is a doctor, well, you know, those are pretty uh, non-crossover Type you know uh, skill sets, which means that there's a you know there may be fetch quests that you can now take because you know you have this person with you who now has the skills you need as a group in order to complete the uh, the quest. So there's you know the, the, and of course you know you kill somebody along the way or you take something from them or uh, they. An example I saw was is that you know young lady comes running out of the woods, help me, help me. The bad man wants to you know take me home and do unspeakable things to me, you know. And he shows up. He says that's my wife, you know. And she says no, no, he's not my husband. He's lying. And you have to decide what you're going to do. Well, you know, regardless of what you decide, I mean, w whether it is true or not, once you say no, she's going to stay with me. You've got an enemy. 
And that enemy might very well become somebody who shows up quite a few times later on. And uh, it just depends on the GM and, and, and you know, what they've set up. Because you know, she could be somebody who actually stole from him. She could be somebody who he paid a bride price for, and she is his bride, but, you know, it's basically a, akin to slavery. Uh, yeah, forced marriage. Right, were, yeah. you know, she could be uh, somebody as a, a political alliance where there's no love between them, but he wants her as his wife because he gives the political advantage, and if she leaves him, then, you know, nobody cares about him because, you know, they, they only cared about her. So there's a lot of things that can happen to the dynamic of the situation by that person coming up. And, and then, of course, you, what, if she doesn't ever reveal any of this information, you just have this hanger on her. Maybe she comes your cook. <laughs> maybe she uh, takes care of the animals. You know, maybe she leaves at the next town. Who knows? It's, it's just, uh, but that interaction would you know that's part of the fetch quest you know that just happened to be triggered as you went along is going to you know have big changes later on and it may directly affect the uh uh the main quest line or it may be a minor uh modification to you know the difficulty good or bad of the main quest line you know uh, you know if she's like the 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 the, the I don't know, but, you know, maybe she's she's like the third princess, you know, of the king. Well, you're you want to go talk to the king? She's with you. Suddenly, you're invited in. When before they'd be like, you got no business here. Well, I need to talk to the king. Well, and that and that's and now you got this woman. It's like I'm with her. Yeah, yeah, he's with. Yeah, move aside, guard. Yeah, and so these, like I said, they're not, you know, so this this so-called fetch quest is not a distraction. It actually helped you achieve your goal. Uh, there doesn't mean there aren't any other ways. You could have climbed the walls, snuck into some chamber, to, you know, uh, had a conversation, you know, with the person you wanted to speak to, read the book in the library, you know, whatever it was that you were, in, you know, needed to go talk, go to the castle for there could be any number of ways of you know of of doing that. This is just one one choice out of many. But having more choices means you get to decide, and that means more agency for your character means a better time. Well, also you have your 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 infinitely used point that we have told our listeners. Always try GMs always give at least three outs for whatever it is your players need to do. And so, yeah, one of them would be, yeah, you meet the, with the, the youngest princess of the king. Well, you got to end now with the king because you're friends with the princess. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, and of course, you know, it's like, well, what has he done to you? Nothing. He's a friend, dad. What? No, he didn't touch me. No. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. I'm your dad. daughter. I would have broken his arm if he tried. And that, you know, well, yeah, you are my kid. You know, oh, God, sounds like me and Sean. It does, doesn't it? Um, That's why yeah, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those of you who uh, haven't picked up by now, you know, uh, Travis has has uh, has birthed and raised a uh, a real spitfire in Shelly. Oh, no, no. If you all know me, you know my kid. You, it, it, It's that if you know, you know. Yeah. And just... <clears throat> 
it's one of those times where, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really proud of my kid and this human being I help make scares the crap out of. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trav doesn't raise any weak women. <laughs> oh, no, no. Right. No. Uh, um, I'm, I'm surprised my kid hasn't taken over the world yet already. Right. Almost 30. Yeah. Well, okay. So uh, in the video game Fallout New Vegas, uh, at the end of the game, you're supposed to fight for who's going to have possession of Hoover Dam. And if you have gone on like a zil, you know, done a lot of traveling, gone on a zillion side quests, you could theoretically have formed positive um, relationships with like a dozen different factions in the game world. Okay. And when you do, there's all, it, there's always this thing where it says, well, uh, if I need you, will you come to my aid? And they're like, well, yeah, you really helped us out. So therefore we will. And then, at the end, when you're trying, you know, you're 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 trying to, you know, uh, 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 go after the head guy of the of the of the opposing faction, uh, all those people basically start showing up, helping you out on that final thing. You know, the the ones one group's called the bombers. They start dropping bombs on the people that are trying to shoot you. Okay, another group comes in and, and gets some other people that are trying to... Sh a lot of... Sh everyone's trying to shoot you, pretty much. So, you know, these various groups come in and help you. So, and it essentially, it becomes a cake... If you get do it all, it becomes a cakewalk to get to the other... To walk across this one section where they're all trying to stop you and and meet with the, uh, the, the head of the opposed... The main evil faction. Okay, um... You don't. You didn't have to do any of that. You could have just fought your way through all by yourself. You know, it would have been a slog. You know, you might have died, but you know, you could have done it by yourself. You didn't need them. Okay, there. But it was It was fun seeing. You know, as, as you talk about that callback, it was nice seeing these people again actually doing something for you after all that. All those times when you did something for them. So yeah. And uh, and a good GM will will definitely add that sort of thing into uh, the games, especially if there is the game leads up to some big final battle or or some big thing that needs like a lot of different groups and skills and people like that to you know to 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 do things if for nothing else to act as a distraction so that you can sneak in. And while everybody else is busy fighting the people, assaulting the South Wall, you go over the North Wall. Cue the portal scene at the end of Endgame where you have a bunch of people doing this thing and a bunch of, and then the main army whooping on Thanos' forces. Yeah, you have, oh, get the gauntlet over to Ant-Man and Ant-Man and Waz got to go to Luis's van. Oh, you mean that ugly brown van over there? Yeah, you know, that type of thing where you have this, yeah, the big battle, but there's little side arcs to get the job done. Yeah. So yeah, those those allies and enemies, you know, of course, the you know, the more enemies you make, the uh, harder that final battle might be. So yeah. again, it all comes on what kind of game you want to play. If you want to play a game that's going to be really challenging, then yeah, go out and make enemies. But that will come back to bite you back later as both a player and a GM. Right. Because the player now has all these multiple... And the GM's got to run multiple enemies. Right. Yeah. But most games, whether it's computer or tabletop or whatever, they have difficulty levels. And, you know... And, yeah. And what I don't like is where, you know... And I'm going to use the word, Travis. I don't like games where 
by raising the difficulty, you turn all your enemies into bullet sponges. You you want to explain to our audience what a bullet sponge is now? Um, well, usually it's kind of like a meat shield in a way where you're just, that's the person that, that the, that's their job is to just take damage. And yeah, I, I told Bruce the story, 2015 Gen Con, the first time I heard that, it broke me. I'd never heard it. I had to leave the room where the game was being run, wiping my eyes. Gee, I just thought it was a funny term. But yeah, um, but no, um, yeah, you you talked about making things too difficult. Yeah, a lot of games, you know, OGL, for example, they have the average party level and your challenge rating. And yeah, you you don't, if if you're an APL average party level, let's say 13, you're not going to be sending a CR20 creature after them. That's a slaughter. That's a massacre. There, We have the system in OGL in order to help relegate, oh, what is it? I think the range that you can put it in, I'm trying to picture my mind, Pathfinder, the core rulebook, either one below the APL where it's easy up to three above the APL. So let's say you have an APL of 13. The highest they recommend is would be a 16, where it's, yeah, you're going to be limping away. You're going to be using up all your healing potions. You might even have to get somebody resurrected, but you'll beat this creature. You might gain a couple levels from it, but it's not going to be an easy battle. You are going to take your lumps collectively. So most game systems have that check and balance in there to make sure that you're not just you know, setting up your players' characters for slaughter. Right. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And the the wrong way to do it is just to simply make the monster so tough that the players just beat on them all day long and they don't, you know, they they don't get through. You know, they don't actually, you know, you have to get a lucky hit, you know, where... Well, I mean, again, that's, that's your three ways, you know, your three outs to get something done in a game. Right. The, you got the term the Achilles heel, as it were. It has the one weakness. And if- I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where it's better for you to add more low level monsters, opponents, okay, that, you know, than one super strong, high level one because is it, it, it becomes ridiculous. You end up uh, seeming like you're not having any effect until in D&D the monster finally just uh, falls over. <laughs> you know, you, you, it, it's better to have more low levels, you know, and they, uh, uh, in some games, you know, they, they, they set this up very nicely. Uh, there's a video game called uh, Slave Zero, uh, which refers to a a slave being a robot, okay? And it was a prototype, all right? And so as you fight them, when you, when you go along, you run into groups of, uh, of of enemies that you need to get through in order to continue on your journey, okay? There's usually a whole bunch of, of, of lower-level, weak opponents, okay, that you have to fight through. And, they're, and, and the term for them are frangible, which means that they can be easily broken apart. So you basically just, you know, meanwhile, the higher the higher level, but not extremely high, the higher level dude in the back, you know, is like hitting you with missiles and things like that while you're being distracted and kept by... By the popcorn. Well, by yeah. the meat shields, as you mentioned them. Okay, yeah. 
And then when you uh, finally get rid of them, then you can concentrate your, your fire on the big one. And it's not so powerful that, you know, that you don't feel like you're doing anything. You hit them with like a, a couple of attacks or some, some missiles or whatever, and now it's down. All right. So the end result is, is that you have a lot of stuff happening that is, you know, you feel like you're being effective with even though it's not getting you past the encounter yet till they're gone. And then even when you fight the big bad, the, lo the, the first, you know, the low level big bad, okay, it's, it's not impossible, it's not ridiculously hard to take that one out. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.